Welcome to Simply Cyber. everybody slight music mishap at the beginning can't be starting with a slow song what are we doing here what's up everybody good morning good afternoon wherever you are good evening potentially good morning folks today is Tuesday, December 27th. Welcome to episode number 269 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cyber news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, we got you covered. But before we get into that, before we get into the news, before we get into the jaw jacking, I do want to shout out and say thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You can see on the stream if you're watching, this is Barricade Cyber's website. Half a click down. Here is Eric Taylor, the CEO and lead. Um, incident responder at Barricade Cyber's calendar. Click, you can have a meeting with him tomorrow at 8.30 p.m. That sounds a little rough. <laughs> there we go. Look, look towards Thursday. You can get a 9 a.m. appointment with him over there. So uh, definitely check out barricadecyber.com for your ransomware and other incident response needs. Great, great group of people over there. I also want to say, Shay, 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 Shay. I also want to say shout out and thanks to Recon Infosec for all they do for the stream as well. Listen, Recon Infosec's managed detection and response MDR offering includes the people, process, and technology, so the full stack, needed to deliver full spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size, so 10 person, 50 person, 300 person. Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, which is nice, because if you don't have the headcount to manage a SIM, uh, you're just like spraying logs at something that you're not gonna look at and probably paying for the logs. Um, and it, it, Recon InfoSec's MDR allows customers of theirs to gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incidents being investigated by the Recon SOC team. All right, guys, here's the deal. MDR, Managed Detection and Response. If you're actively managing an information security program, say you're a one-person shop, right? 
If you're a one-person shop, you need real help. People looking at logs, people tuning up detections, etc. That's where MDR comes in. Like normally it would cost, like let's just say it costs $100,000 to hire one more person onto your staff, right? Fully loaded, 100 grand. Well, for that same amount of money, you can like, and I don't know recon infosec's pricing structure. Don't quote me on this, but I've quote, I've I've done MDR shopping before. Between like 75,000 and 250,000, you can get a team of uh, analysts working for you. It's it's like it's a really really great cost effective solution. In fact, if if chat wants, I'll do a video on what MDR is because um, it really is a good thing for um, for our industry. Now, if you're live or on replay, I want to remind you each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, right? So if you have cybersecurity certifications, whether you just earned them or you've had them for years and years and years and you're contemplating not renewing them, you still have CPEs. Each episode's half a CPE, which stacks, right? Two and a half week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat, just like zombie guy Justin just did, just like Marcy Friedman's doing this morning. Doris from Germany's up in here, right? Just say what's up. That way you have auditable, irrefutable evidence if an auditor ever comes back and says, what's this Simply Cyber stuff? How, how is this a CPE? Were you there? You'd be like, yeah, look at the stream, bruh. Look at the stream, bruh. What's up, Jay Smith member for five months. Love it, love it, love it. All right, guys. Now, if you are live, hashtag team live in chat. We're going to get to the news in just a minute like we always do. If you're on replay, do take a minute and hashtag team replay in the comments. Thanks for catching the stream. Plus, it if you do it in the comments, it's also auditable evidence, obviously. Now, if you're on replay and you want to get right to the news, watch for the screen to change to that. But for the next, I don't know, say minute and a half, two minutes, as I as I like to do, I'm going to have a sip of coffee, say good morning to chat, and see how everybody's doing. What's up, James McQuiggan? Good to see you, sir. Jeff Watala. James and I are playing chess right now. We have an ongoing match of chess. I made friends with James at Black Hat this year, and we've continued that relationship on. What's up, Usha412? Hey, Israel. Good to see you. Mervin's up in here, Team Live. Jan DeVries. What's up? What's up? K. Scott Powell with the emotes. I love the tinfoil hat and Carl. Let's give Carl a little love, y'all. All right. What's up, Garrett? Good to see you, man. Guys, I've got good news and bad news depending on who you are. Uh, not next week, but the week after. So the week of January, uh, like 11th. Citadel starts back up, y'all. I'll be teaching again. So what, Tuesday, Thursdays are going to go back to 10. But for the next two weeks, it'll be 8 a.m. every every day. Oh, good, good. Carrie's getting good notes at SecOff Institute. That's fantastic. Randall Lundy, good to see you. Hey, Shane Prevost, my man. Cheers. Uh, thanks, Harish. I had a pretty good break. It was nice to spend time with the family. I tried to stay off tech as much as I could. Although I did stream a video game yesterday, which I like video games. I don't get to play them often, but I do like them. Marcus Cyber officially starting the cybersecurity journey on 110. Yes. Love it. All right, guys, 30 seconds, and then we're going to boogie into the news here. Mm. Hey, Eric Silverman. Hey, Tom Bishop. Good to see you. Good morning to you, Joe Salisbury. Love it. Marcus. Hey, Marcus, I've got a video on the channel if you're interested. How to crush your first 90 days at your cybersecurity job. Uh, it's like a 15-minute video. If you want to watch that, it might give you uh, some ammunition to just start kicking mud holes week one at your new job. 
Also, be sure to sign up for the Simply Cyber newsletter. Um, that'll give you ammunition to kick butt as well at your new job. All right. We are boogieing. Oh, Jeremy Williams with a super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks, Jeremy. Hope everything's well in the paramedic world, man. The boo-boo bus. Nice. Carrie's got a date for the second part of the A-plus test. Very nice. I love it. Jess Bishop. You get it. You get it. You get it. Love it. All right, y'all. Oh, thank you, Mervin. Yeah, that video is really good. Uh, that night. I mean, it's my video, so it sounds a little uh, prickish to say or douchey to say it's good. But just I think it's useful. I mean, I, I try to only put content out that can be useful. <laughs> so uh, go check it out. All right, guys. I think it's time that we got into the news. What do you say? Let's do it. Here we go. Sit back, relax, and let's get some cyber news, y'all. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. Yeah, Manhattan was good. It was fun. LastPass admits to severe data breach. Encrypted password vaults stolen. The August 2022 security breach of LastPass may have been more severe than the company previously disclosed. On Thursday, LastPass revealed that malicious actors obtained a trove of personal information belonging to its customers that include their encrypted passwords by using data siphoned from the earlier break-in. Also stolen is, quote, basic customer account information and related metadata, including company names, end usernames, billing addresses, email addresses, telephone numbers, and the IP addresses from which customers were accessing the LastPass service, end quote. The August 2022 incident, which remains a subject of an ongoing investigation, involved hackers accessing a source code and proprietary technical information from its development environment via a single compromised employee account. Experts recommend that LastPass users change their master password as quickly as possible. Yeah, gosh. So this sucks. Uh, Jeremy, I saw your note about your kid. I hope, I hope your, your, your son's all right. That sounds awful um, and scary at the same time. Um, guys, this is a hot mess on fire. Um, where's my, this is like, boing. this, this is what this is right here. Hot mess on fire. So I feel like we talked about this on, uh, uh, Friday last week. Right. So if you caught the stream last week, I like did my own podcast. Uh, just so you know, like based on the metrics, people don't like it when I, <laughs> when I do that, the news by myself. Um, Okay, so LastPass admits severe data breach. This is gross. Now, the one the one nice thing about um, LastPass and, and many of these other uh, password vault managers is that they do not have master keys to your encrypted database. So re remember, if you use LastPass, your vault is technically safe. AES-256 encryption is unbreakable at this time and your passwords are technically safe now a couple things one the the threat actors did get all sorts of other kind of information uh urls uh personal information so the level of phishing could go up if you reuse passwords which by god you are so dumb listen i hate to be that judgy guy but if you are reusing passwords for your master password vault that is egregious that is terrible. That is unacceptable. You cannot use, you cannot have the key to your password kingdom 
be something that you have used anywhere else. That's just a fact, not an opinion. That is, you can't do that, okay? So if you have done that, only you know, right? If you have done that, you need to change your LastPass vault password immediately, immediately. Threat actors have a password dump lists, okay? If they have a dump list and they have your username or email address, believe me, they are going to try all of those combinations, username and password that they have from a dump on the password vault to see if they can decrypt it. Believe me, if you have reused it, they will get in, okay? Or there's a higher probability that they'll get in. Second of all, because they... AES-256 is unbreachable now does not mean it's unbreakable in the future. Now, technically, these hackers likely aren't a nation state threat actor hoarding it for whatever reason. But just know that if 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 me, you and Dan Catledge here have the last pass vaults for 100,000, 200,000 users or whatever, it's not going to expire. We can just put it on the shelf. And when quantum computers come up, and there's like a point and click, you know, break a uh, break a password, you know, that could happen, right? You could we could just shred through those. Um, so there's that. And then third, even if you didn't reuse a password, if you have a crap password, one that is in password lists, threat actors could brute force attack your um, your vaulted password, right? So all of that. All of that is a long way to say, change your password. Now, I just want to point out one other thing that makes this really, really bad too. Okay. I don't know the architecture of what's going on, but like while I'm talking about this out loud and processing it, things are occurring to me. I don't know the architecture, but dude, if I have copied down your password vault, right? If I've exfilled the vaults, changing the password does not protect from confidentiality any longer. Do you see what I'm saying? If 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 you've taken a copy of my LastPass base and I change my LastPass password, yes, you cannot log into my LastPass account. That's hooked up to the cloud right now. But the data exfilled one that's local, I don't see why you couldn't break into that one. Not only do you need to change your LastPass password, you need to change all the passwords of accounts that are inside the LastPass password. And I'm sorry to uh, let you know that if you have taken, a lot of people do this, if you have taken a screenshot of like your backup codes, like your one-time backup codes to get into systems and saved it as a note in LastPass, consider that burnt as well. This is incredibly painful and this is incredibly painful and full of friction for users of LastPass. This could sink LastPass, frankly. Um, this is a really, really, really bad situation for LastPass and its customer base. So TLDR, I use Bitwarden, Harish, I use Bitwarden, but Bitwarden is going to be the same. Like, so from a architecture perspective, Bitwarden and LastPass are similar. They're both cloud-based. You know, they both don't have keys to your password vault, but... If bit if this this story right here could say Bitwarden admits to severe data breach, encrypted password vault stolen, and it would like, you know what I mean? It's, it's it's the only way to really avoid this particular threat is to have a localized password vault solution, which there are some, but you're you're trading in the convenience of having cross-platform password logins, right? 
So with LastPass, Bitwarden, I go to uh, uh, my phone, I can log into stuff. I go to my computer, I can log into stuff. I launch Chrome, I can log into stuff. With the localized ones, it's much more like copy-paste, 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 right? So yeah, KeePass is the one. Anyways, long story short, you should go change your LastPass passwords, um, the ones that are stored in your LastPass password vault. Um, yeah, or, or even again, while I'm thinking about it, I have, I have migrated off LastPass. I migrated off LastPass two years ago. Okay. So what I really should do is go change my LastPass password vault since I still have it. I never sunset. I didn't, I never terminate. Actually, I may have terminated my account, but, um, but go change all of my passwords for my accounts that I currently hold, which is in the hundreds, but it, it is what it is, people. It sucks, but that's what it's all about. What about adding a hardware token to LastPass MFA? Uh, that's a good point, Chase. I think um, that would help. So if you added a hardware pass MFA into the vault, that could help. It doesn't change the fact that if they have a localized instance of the database, that it, there is potential that they could uh, hack it. But it probably it probably adds a layer of security that uh, makes it, it makes it beyond challenging for them to just move on to the next one. English to resign as national cyber director. National Cyber Director Chris Inglis plans to step down from his position as a senior White House cybersecurity advisor, a decision first reported by CNN and confirmed to CyberScoop by three sources with direct knowledge of the matter. The news comes as Inglis is traveling in Japan on a trip meant to strengthen cyber collaboration with a key ally in the region and as cybersecurity issues generally are topping the White House agenda. President Biden had nominated Inglis, the former deputy director of the National Security Agency, to lead the newly formed Office of the National Cyber Director last year, tasking him to stand up an office that aims to bring a unified approach to U.S. cybersecurity policy. A spokesperson for ONCD declined to comment on Inglis's planned departure. You know, okay, so a couple things here, okay? A couple things here. One... One, you know, I appreciate this guy. There aren't too many people that do this, but dude, you want to talk about a, like a civil servant? This dude spent 30 years in the NSA, probably could have retired quite well. And then he goes on to be national cyber director, which, okay, I'm sure there's a lot of prestige, a lot of access to power and stuff, but still good on you. This is cool. Um, I also want to point out, I'm not huge, um, like up on politics and stuff. I know a little bit, but you got to remember the United States just went through midterm elections there was a shift, not a major shift, but there was some shifts in um, the House and the Senate a little bit. I do think Democrats kept control, um, although, again, this isn't a political show, but like Kristen Sinema changed from Democrat to Independent. But the point is, there, are, there like it's not surprising that somebody that is in an appointed position um, in the U.S. federal government would uh transition out after elections right it's it's very very common plus this guy is probably ready like you know it might be nice to retire for a hot minute um but you know at that level it's very game of thrones like i don't know if he's like transitioning out so they can bring a younger hipper faster person in um maybe jen easterly um to come in and, and, and be able to push for the next two years to get ready for the presidential elections in 2024 and have a good cyber posture at that point. I don't know, but I don't see this. I mean, this story is interesting, but at the same time, I don't see this as like, oh my God, what did Chris Inglis do? 
he's traveling in Japan and he's getting fired. Oh, what's up? No, he's like resigning. Uh, of course, at this level too, you don't really get fired like ever. You could be the most negligent, you know, um, you could just not be good at your job and you would be given the opportunity to resign over getting fired. Like U.S. government, they don't really fire people. Um, so that's it. I, I am kind of curious about the cyber cyberspace solarium commission. Um, what the, what, what, what that was about. I don't know if anyone in chat ever read that. I'd be curious, um, if they did. So I, I naturally me, I did see your comment about passwordless authentication. I love passwordless authentication if done, if done well, right. If you just make it your face, um, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> there's any, any, any control, any control, whether it's password, password, less authentication, um, you know, whatever locks on doors, whatever there is, there is a way to circumvent. There's no bulletproof controls. That's why defense in depth is a thing. I, li literally my seven-year-old yesterday, like took up my phone and he's like, uh, and he just like pointed at my face and it unlocked. And then he went back and I was like, oh, you little, you little, huh? Mm, you understand how to hack stuff. I mean, it's not really hacking, but he, he knew enough to just do it real quick. Comcast Xfinity accounts hacked in widespread 2FA bypass attacks. Comcast Xfinity customers reported up, their Tampa accounts Bay? being hacked in widespread attacks that bypass two-factor authentication. These compromised accounts are then used to reset passwords for other services such as the Coinbase and Gemini crypto exchanges. Starting on December 19th, many Xfinity email users began receiving notifications that their account information had been changed. However, when attempting to access the accounts, they could not log in as the passwords had been changed. After regaining access to the accounts, they discovered that they had been hacked and a secondary email at the disposable yopmail.com domain had been added to their profile. Right. Goo loader malware. Okay. By the way, I want to say good morning to the 135 of you who are, who are grinding. Uh, a lot of people take this week off. Um, in the United States. All right, guys. So Comcast Xfinity accounts hacked in widespread 2FA. This one's important. This actually may be the, um, let me take a note here. I think this might be the uh, uh, newsletter for your, for your end users story of the week. Uh, newsletter, Comcast 2FA end user. Okay. Here's the deal. Obviously, um, we tell, all right. Okay. So a couple things here. One, we tell people use MFA, right? Which, which they should, but MFA, 2FA, whatever you want to call it, is not bulletproof, okay? So it's just another control in the stack. We want to do defense in depth. Second of all, it says Comcast Xfinity account, but what, it, what it's really referring to is um, email. The email accounts were hacked. The email, the email, uh, uh, the email. I don't know if you guys remember Strong Bad, but that's... that's <laughs> Oh man, that was a reference that just came into my head. So um, here's the deal, ready? Basic, basic, basic. When I tell people, like, listen, you need to put multi-factor authentication on everything, but if you're only gonna pick a few things because it's too inconvenient or because, you know, whatever, <laughs> like whatever reason, put it on your financials. So like your bank account, your credit card account, put it on your email. And people are like, oh, email. Well, here's why. Most password reset functions will send you an email. If I get into your email 
First of all, I can change your password so you can't log back into your email, which sucks. Second of all, I can then start resetting all your passwords or, or disabling MFA on your financials, right? So I get into your email and then I could start resetting and logging into other things. In this case, that's exactly what happened. Um, I bet you these accounts got locked out by the threat actors, right? Uh, another thing that they did in here. So if, you, if your end users or your family loved ones are using Comcast Xfinity as their main email, um, make them aware of this, have them look through their sent emails, have them look through their received emails, archived emails, deleted emails, the trash can. At a scale of this big, the threat actors are not going to be doing, in my opinion, are not going to be doing very good um, cleanup. They're not going to be doing like espionage, right? So there's likely going to be a lot of artifacts left over like deleted emails or just not even bothering to delete emails. You'll just see a host of emails that say like, oh, like your request to reset your password on Facebook is, you know, here you go, click here. The, the, the final thing I'll say about this one is that um, they point out that the threat actors configured an additional email account, forward to email account of something the threat actor controlled, right? So if, if, if you don't know what I'm saying, or you're like, what the hell are you talking about, Jerry? Here's the deal. If you go into your email account, I don't care if it's Google, Apple, whatever, Exchange, like whatever it is, you can configure an additional email to forward your emails to. And like the ideal use case here is like, oh, I have five email accounts. I'll just forward them all to the one main email account that I use. And then I'll have all my emails conveniently dumped into one single pane of glass, right? Well, threat actors know this and they will go in and they will configure forward to an email account that they control. And it's not really obvious on the front end. Right, it's not like, oh, do you know you're forwarding your emails, right? So then you, you're like, oh man, my account got hacked. Whatever, I changed my password, I reset two FA, I feel good about myself. But every email that I send out goes also to the threat actor, or everyone that comes in goes to the threat actor, right? So they still kind of have visibility into your environment, uh, which they can then, you, you know, like if I do the password reset function again that email is going to flow through your inbox and get sent to me also as the threat actor, right? So all, all of this is a long way to say always, not always, but if you, if you definitely, if you suspected your account was hacked, go verify that the forward to address is not configured. And if it is delete what's configured there. And also, you know, it's worth doing like quarterly, just checking your forward to email account and just making sure that no one's been, um, no one's been doing that, okay? All right. Uh, Tuki says, I've been getting Microsoft account SSO for my account. I think this could be a phish email trying to access account. Yeah, possibly. You'd have to do analysis on what that email is, if it looks real, if it looks BS. You can also go into your Microsoft account and look at recent logins, attempts, if you have access to that and see if there's you know banging on the door. You could also change your password, Tuki, uh, and, and see if that stops because obviously the threat actor may have uh may have your password and not your mfa if i'm reading that right all right let's keep going using new techniques to evade security software researchers Ooh. at crowdstrike have exposed a variety of techniques adopted by an advanced malware downloader called GU loader or gu loader to evade security software 
Gooloader, also known as CloudEye, is a visual basic script downloader that is used to distribute remote access trojans on infected machines. It was first detected in the wild in 2019, and a recent GU loader sample unearthed by CrowdStrike exhibits a three-stage process, wherein the VB script is designed to deliver a next stage that performs anti-analysis checks before injecting shellcode embedded within the VB script into memory. All right, hold on, hold on, huh? Um... Uh, I'm just reading a little bit about... This is a more complicated technical story, so I'm trying to absorb this. All right. Um, oh, cool. Uh... Yeah, this is cool. So this, they talk about two things here. Uh, Goo loader remains a dangerous threat. Okay, so there's two things here, and I want to give a shout out too because Simulate. I have worked with Simulate on the stream uh, before, and they actually published uh, some research around blindside attack, which I, I, I did, I did read that article. Very interesting. If you're in, if you're into the like the bits and bytes and the register and hardware. Um, this blindside attack is actually quite interesting. It's basically taking advantage of hardware registers. Um, in order to, um, what was it? Uh, they use a hardware register to basically control flow and, uh, and, and basically load a hooked list NTDLL into memory. So it doesn't have all the hooks into where the EDR would be looking. Uh, very interesting attack. V very, again, wicked nerdy, super technical. Um, anyways, uh, all you need to know about this guys, goo loader, goo loader. Um, all it's doing is classic anti-analysis techniques, right? So I've said this on the stream before. You Anybody can write malware, right? Malware just does nasty stuff on your computer. The more advanced malware will do anti-analysis techniques in order to screw over security researchers from figuring out what it is that it's doing. Okay, so how does it do that? Well, typically, this is pretty common right here. When it... So like when 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 software runs, whether it's malware or software, it it is running in memory. And what is running in memory? Your processes, right? When you do task manager and you're looking at your processes, software can look at that too, right? So the software will look to see what processes are running. And guys, like VirtualBox has a really well-known process name. Um, what else? Like uh like hex editor, PE. Um, viewer, like, like all of the common softwares, Ida Pro, Windabug, like all the common softwares that security researchers use to look at malware, they have well-defined, uh, process names, right? It's not like, it's not like Ida Pro is going to like randomly generate a, a memory, a process name, uh, before it loads. So the goo loader will look to see if those things are running. And if it is it will assume it's being analyzed and it will throw an error message or it'll throw an error and basically blow itself up, right? There's also a VBS downloader. Um, again, so like the whole idea with this is, is the malware isn't technically there yet and it will reach out and grab it. So um, this, the, the malware is basically trying to hide. So if you were to analyze this, you wouldn't see malware, but you would see this VB script uh, reaching out to some network 
um, and pulling something down. I also want to mention that by doing this kind of modular build, uh, you can update the remote access Trojan. It's decoupled from the VB script. So like the threat actor knows that the VB script is going to pull down a file. The fact that you can control a file and update a file and switch out what's a file uh, gives the threat actors a lot of flexibility to keep their malware up to date and, um, you know, EDR bypassing and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, just, I mean, this is, this is not a crazy news story, right? Like threat actors have been doing this for years. It's just, here's another one that does a lot of what the other ones do. And this is why you need to, or this is why it's strongly encouraged to have a commercial grade EDR solution on your endpoints, because, you know, whether it's Carbon Black or Microsoft uh, Defender or Sentinel One, I don't care. What what's important is that they are maintained and kept up to date. Because like for all of this, you need someone on the security product side constantly updating their stuff as well to make sure that it can handle stuff like that. Okay, let's listen to the mid roll. And now a word from our sponsor, Tynes. Wondering how the world's leading security teams are figuring out how to do more with less? The answer is Tynes. Tynes is a hyper-flexible automation platform loved by customers like Okta, Canva, Kayak, and Coinbase. Tynes enables security teams to focus on what matters most by taking care of the grunt work. You can learn more at Tynes.com. That's T-I-N-E-S.com. All right. All right, we got a couple of fun things to do Microsoft. here at the mid-roll. First of all, obviously, we're going to do our simple minds. All right, guys, it is the mid-roll. I've got several things to crank through. First of all, if you are getting value from the stream, if you're getting value from the news, if you're, getting, if you're being entertained and or educated and you'd like to say thanks, take one second, please, and just hit the like button. It does go a long way to helping other cybersecurity professionals and aspiring cybersecurity professionals find the stream. Uh, I would genuinely appreciate that. What's up, Andrew Nakamura? So, guys, if you are, are not familiar with it, I sent it out this morning. SimplyCyber.io slash newsletter. The URL is right there in yellow. Go there, sign up, and get an email from me once a week for three cyber professional actionable tasks for your end users, peers, and executives. Literally, you can just a lot of times copy and paste directly from it, and you know it helps you kick butt. Um, earlier, earlier. Um, we had, we had seen people who are starting new cyber jobs in 2023. I'm telling you, this newsletter can be like a secret weapon for you to kick it. But, all right? Oh, Jess Bishop got the newsletter today. Thanks, Jess. All right, guys. I want to let everybody know that this Thursday, so in two days, my good friend Alyssa Knight is coming on to the stream. Um, API security researcher and filmmaker. She's been doing a lot of stuff with her Knight Studios. She's going to come on and talk about that. We're going to have a great conversation. So if you like if you like uh, film, if you like Alyssa, if you like good times, may I encourage you to come over and have a um, have a little sit a spell with us. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Now, one other thing. Hey, hey, hey. One other. So, guys, we did not have uh, Monday is Callan's artwork of the week day. Uh, every Monday, but we didn't have a stream yesterday, and Callan was really upset. He, he asked if today could be the uh, art day, and I said, absolutely, son. 
So I just want to share with you, he, he did this freehand, okay? This is Callan's artwork of the week. Seven-year-old Callan with his Pikachu Pokemon. Um, and just so you know, Callan Osher made this. <laughs> so good job, Callan. Thank you for keeping, keeping it fun here on Simply Cyber. All right, guys. I do have one other question for you guys. Something serious. I've been approached. Uh, I've been approached by another uh, vendor that I, I like and I use about wanting to be a sponsor for the show. Answer me honestly if you think that this morning threat briefing could have could handle three three sponsors. I think three might be the the max, or I might have to figure out some creative way. To, uh, to incorporate sponsors, but I just wanted some feedback from the crew. Let me know if three is reasonable. All right. All right, guys. Let us do our la-la-la-las. All right, so people are saying it's cool. All right, thank you, Matthew Necci. Thanks, Richa. Thanks, Jim Lund. All right. Get that. Well, yeah, get that money. Hey, thanks so much. What? Just become best friends. Yeah, I, I do. I do like them. I do like them. I just, you know, I, I'm trying to balance, you know, I'm trying to balance value and, and and entertainment and education with, I guess, revenue, if you want to call it that. La 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 la. La 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 la. All right, we're getting ready to go back in the news. All right, so let's do this. All right, I love it so much, guys. Yeah, I see your notes. I'll, I'll go back and read the comments on chat through the ads. Um, the, the one thing is, uh, in case you guys didn't know, I don't run like YouTube ads on the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I never have, and I don't think I ever will. <laughs> All right, let's get back into the news. Find $64 million by France over cookies used in Bing searches. CNIL, France's digital privacy regulator, has fined Microsoft 60 million euros, that's $64 million, for not offering clear enough instruction for users to reject cookies used for online ads. This is as part of a move to enforce Europe's tightening data protection law. The organization said Thursday that it carried out several investigations on the Microsoft search engine Bing in September 2020 and May 2021, and found that the site dropped advertising cookies in users' terminals without their explicit consent. The website also lacked a button for users to reject cookies as simply as accepting them, said CNIL, pointing out that two clicks were required to refuse all cookies while only one was needed to accept them. Yeah. So I think we covered this story on Friday as well. Um, I feel like France and Ireland are competing for like, the country that finds the most <laughs> finds the most of big tech companies. Um, Microsoft getting hit for sixty million euros again. Great cash, homie. I mean, come on, like that's uh, no nobody's nobody's uh, getting out of bed for less than hundred million euros. Um, I I do hey I do appreciate the super chat by the way, Dominic. If I can't see the full name, but I do appreciate the super chat. Um, yeah, old news. But hey, you know what? I I do want to just point this out. Um, I find this is an interesting precedent because a lot of cookies on websites, they do make it wicked easy to accept them. 
and they make it incredibly awkward to refuse them. Like several, several clicks to refuse. And then ultimately they make it turn into like a maze and you, you're like, ah, to hell, I'll just accept all of them anyways. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but I feel like France could go after pretty much any company and be able to, uh, if this if this stands as precedent, they could definitely go after them um, that way. And again, it makes you wonder how much how much money was Microsoft making off of the tracking, right? Because guys, you got to remember, it's all about data, right? It's all about us. Like that's what they're 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 that's what accepting the cookies is. It allows them to track us, see where we're clicking, see where we're going, see what we're doing. All of that has value because they turn around and sell it to data brokers who enrich it with other data and sell it to marketers, advertisers, all this other stuff. So Microsoft may have made more than $64 million USD on tracking all this data, which seems insane, but it's not really that crazy if you think about it. So, um, you know, whatever. It, it, to me, it, it's almost like the cost of doing business at this point, which is ridiculous. DuckDuckGo now blocks Google sign-in pop-ups on all sites. DuckDuckGo apps and extensions are now blocking Google sign-in pop-ups on all its apps and browser extensions, removing what it perceives as an annoyance and a privacy risk for its users. DuckDuckGo offers a privacy-focused search engine, an email service, mobile apps, and data-protecting browser extensions. The company announced last Thursday that all its Chrome, Firefox, Brave, and Microsoft Edge apps and browser extensions will now actively block Google sign-in prompts displayed on sites. Hmm. Hmm, I don't know about that, guys. Okay. Now they're they're claiming that it perceives an annoyance and privacy risk. But DuckDuckGo is a direct competitor. Thanks for the sub, Max502. Listen, DuckDuckGo is trying to challenge um Google in the in the realm of search. Now I don't use DuckDuckGo, so I don't know if DuckDuckGo has uh, email and document, you know, like, I don't know if it's a true competitor for Google period, or if it's just a competitor for Google search. But the fact that they're, um, blocking Google sign in pop-ups is interesting. Um, uh, I would see that as, um, like almost like you're getting, you're getting dangerous into like, uh, anti-competitive or whatever. Um, like imagine if if Google Chrome, like imagine if Google Chrome like didn't allow you to install DuckDuckGo, right? Or you couldn't access DuckDuckGo, th th they would lose their mind. It's it's just like um, what is it? Um, if like Microsoft Windows did not allow you to install Chrome or something, like you had to use Edge, you know what I mean? Like so, we'll see where this one goes. Um, again, I I don't I don't dislike DuckDuckGo. Um, Although it is funny that like they've been like, oh, we're we're like the champion of privacy and everything, and then it came out last year that they were <laughs> selling data, uh, which is not surprising, right? Because they got to get they got to how are they funding their operation? Um, but I do like signing in uh, with my Google creds uh, across platforms, whether it's Google, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's Facebook, whatever. Guys, federated authentication means you have less username and passwords to manage. And it makes it easier when, I don't know, LastPass gets breached and you have to change all your passwords. You could change it in one place. Definitely much better than having to jump around um, and, 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 and have to like change passwords or, or remember different passwords or whatever. So um, yeah. 
to me, like if you use DuckDuckGo and you like Google, just be aware that you could experience some pain. For me, um, what I see here is more interesting is whether or not this this will go. Um, like if Google will do nothing about this or if Google will lash back with some type of legal uh, response. So, you know, be, I'm curious. Threat actor allegedly offers data from 400 million Twitter users. A hacker who is active on the hacking forum Ryushi is urging interested prospects to buy sensitive details that were stolen from over 400 million Twitter account users. This hacker claims to have obtained access to the data through a vulnerability on the database and is ready to sell it for a hefty price, specifically $400 million. <laughs> the hacker is also inviting Elon Musk or any of the Twitter staff to buy back the data to avoid penalties imposed by GDPR lawsuits. The seller also attested that escrow payments will cover the sale in control of the forum admin, the infamous Pom Pom Purin. Ireland's Data Protection Commissioner has opened up an investigation and has linked the current data possession claim to a massive data breach that took place last month. All right. Yeah, like, obviously, Ireland opens a case. Ireland, I'm telling you, man, Ireland and um, France jockeying for position as, like, GDPR's, like, canine teeth. Um, okay, so here's the deal. 400 million Twitter account users compromised. Uh, and the threat actor wants $400 million. So basically, threat actor is saying a dollar per record, right? Uh, even if you negotiate this down 50%, I mean, $200 million is still a banana's payday. Um, I love that he's invited Elon Musk or any Twitter staff to buy back the data to avoid GDPR lawsuits. I don't know if that's how that works. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, in the, in the, the lawsuit could be between $5 million and $8 million. Let me just do some quick math for you guys. If you are being asked to spend $400 million to avoid a $5 million fine, um, most people are going to take the $5 million fine and do double middle fingers uh, back at you. So that's probably not well thought through. Um, whatever. Twitter is a hot mess on fire. Um, Twitter is like, Twitter is such a dumpster fire. Uh, Elon's going to step down as CEO. Um, tons and tons of community members have fled the platform. Uh, InfoSec Twitter has moved over to InfoSec Exchange Mastodon. Although I continue to use Twitter, I find Mastodon kind of difficult to use. I've tried. Uh, but but anyways, that's, that's really um, niche down to our industry. But see, people are still using Twitter. We'll see. If 400 million users got compromised, I'm curious what data was in the database. Um, uh, phone numbers, email IDs, usernames, and location data. Okay. So not great, but a lot of this information is already online. Um, so it's more about the financial penalty of GDPR infraction. You as an end user, me as a user of Twitter, I'm less concerned about my phone, my phone number, email, and Twitter handle being compromised. Like that's not worth, that's not worth a dollar. Uh, to put it plainly. I mean, I'm not going to sell it for a dollar to anyone, but you can find it pretty easily. Um, so look look for look for this threat actor to not get paid, GDPR to find them, and this story to just go away. <laughs> Experts warn of a critical Linux kernel vulnerability with a CVSS score of 10. A critical Linux kernel vulnerability exactly, exposes Leonardo. SMB servers with KSMBD enabled to being hacked. Ooh. 
KSMBD is a Linux kernel server that implements SMB3 protocol in kernel space for sharing files over the network. An unauthenticated remote attacker can execute arbitrary code on vulnerable installations of the Linux kernel. The vulnerability was discovered on July 26, 2022 by the researchers at the Thallium team at Talus Group, that's T-H-A-L-E-S, and was publicly disclosed on December 22nd of this year. A reminder, there will be no... Okay, hold on. Um... Okay, a couple things here. One, the research came from uh, Talos. Um, Cisco Talos does a great job. If you're not familiar with them, um, you know, just know that they are legit. Uh, Cisco Talos. They are legit. Okay. This, this group right here. Cisco Talos. Second of all, they talk about um, a... Uh, I don't know if the stream's timed out or not. I'm I'm looking okay here. Um, this has a CVSS score of 10. Guys, you don't see this very often. Usually, the worst of the worst will be 9.8, and they leave a little bit of room, 0.2, because 10 is the highest. You can't go higher than 10. They'll leave a little bit of room for... Um, like exploitation in the wild or like, you know, like there's a GitHub thing out there where people are getting smashed, right? The fact that this is a 10 tells me that this thing is being actively exploited and getting slapped hardcore. Now, what's interesting is the threat researchers say here, KSMBD, right? So kernel, likely this is kernel, SMB, uh, D is daemon typically, right? So that, that's kind of how you read this file name. Uh, is new. Most people use Samba. So if you've heard of Samba, Samba allows like Linux to kind of integrate with Windows systems for file servers, right? It, it's been around for like 30 years. Um, if you're using Samba, you're not affected. So if you're, if, if you're not running KSMBD, you're fine. Enjoy the weekend. I got to tell you, this is a really interesting finding. CVSS score of 10 is high, but a lot of Linux systems, I don't want to say that they don't get updated, but like Linux just works and people don't really screw with it. Uh, Windows requires a lot more touch. Uh, also, um, most organizations are going to have only a few Linux servers running kind of some back office IT infrastructure stuff. So it's a little bit easier to find. Um, I don't think you'd have Linux facing the internet, but you, you know, it's not impossible. But guys, remember, if you're running Samba, this thing isn't a problem for you. But KSMBD, if you are running that, there is a problem. Um, unauthenticated remote access can run arbitrary code. That That's what means 9.8. Actively exploited likely means that um, it, it got bumped up to 10. So Linux is not invulnerable, people. A lot of people think that like, oh, I use Linux. It's fine. I use Mac. It's fine. No. It's a computer. It runs code. Threat actors are going to threat, threat act. It's Thales Group. Hold on. Let me see this. Thales Group. They said, hold on, is Thales? Hmm, okay. So I guess Thales grouped it. Look at this. Here's the, let's look at these cookies. Reject all. See, and then it didn't confirm my choices. Reject all. See, I can't click through these, right? Are you guys seeing this? And then like I hit accept allow. Oh my God, just close. Anyways, I guess it's Thales Group. Thanks for calling that out, Mitch. Um, that's what I was looking for. 
I'm sure they spelled different company than Talos, but wasn't sure which one. Anyway, so I can tell you, I like Talos. I haven't heard of Thales Group, but if they did this, good on them. Um, the TLDR here is if you're running this KSMBD uh, patch it, and if you didn't know, Linux can have vulnerabilities. It's it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. All right. All right, that's going to do it for the stream today, guys. If you were here just for the news, thank you so much. We ran a few minutes over. Sorry, base case in the NCC group. If you uh, want to hang out for a hot minute and just jaw jack a little bit, I am here and will be for the next three minutes. Um, a lot of Apache Reb servers run Linux. Thank you, Professor Black Ops. Good point. Good point. Um, so if you guys, if you don't know if you have Linux in your environment, definitely find out. Ask your IT uh, folks. Uh, or if you're the IT folks, you should know. <laughs> hey, BSEC, good to see you. InfoSec kid with the coffee. Guys, uh, normal week this week. I'll be doing the news uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Looking at the stream here. I think Monday the 2nd, so a week from yesterday, there will be uh, no stream. Another three-day weekend. It's the cloud. Yes, exactly. It's somebody else's. Thanks, Brandon Douglas, for the kind words. James McQuiggan, it is my move. All right, I'll take a look, James. Uh, Richa Sonver, Jenny Housley, have a great Tuesday, Jenny. Big fan of all the squad memberships. Stan Smocks, good to see you. Carrie's got a, a Linux box. Alex Mayrides, Windows subsystems. Uh, actually, you know what, Alex? I don't know if it would affect the Windows subsystem. The, the, the thing with Windows uh, WSL is that you don't have kernel access. It's user land only, is my understanding of WSL, because I tried to run some stuff. Uh, I've been screwing around with a Kali and Ubuntu box in, in Windows subsystem Linux, WSL, and uh, had some challenges installing uh, drivers, Windows drivers. I'm working on like a little fun project. If you guys are interested, I don't care. I don't know if anyone cares, but um, I've been doing some Wi-Fi hacking with my Raspberry Pi basic stuff right like aero dump air air replay air crack just for like a fun how to hack wireless uh video and i could not install the um wireless drivers for this um for this antenna this antenna is a um real link which allows you to uh inject packets and do do more stuff that like a, a basic um wireless card won't allow you to do uh so if you guys are into that uh, I can put that out. Yeah, a real tech. On, yeah. All right, yeah, great show per you. Thank you so much, naturally me guys. Um, I think we might have a YouTube video going live here in a minute. Let me check it out. Um, this is me playing that video game yesterday. Um, what's today's date? The twenty seventh. All right, so Mechanic to Cyber is going live this uh, Friday. This Friday, Mechanic to Cyber, Marketing to Cyber on uh, 1-3, January 3rd, Marketing to Cyber. And I've got um, Elementary School Teacher to Cyber uh, that I've got to record. So really looking forward to that, guys. Anybody can pivot into Cyber, okay? And we're going to prove it. We're going to prove it. Definitely enjoy doing this uh, this channel, getting to meet a lot of people. Pharmacy to cyber. Guys, you'd be surprised how many people message me that 
work in pharmacy and they're like, dude, I, I got to get out of this box or I, I have made the transition M more than any of the other uh, pivots to cyber. That one. Um, I also have heavy equipment operator to cyber already filmed and, and uh, ready to go. I just need to do it. I've got so many of these videos. I like lost track of them. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for the stream. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you all for the support. Thanks, Mark Lester. Thanks, Joel Marcano. Mitch T, always good. Alana, great to see you. Dentist did the OSCP for fun. He didn't want to go into cyber. Just take the challenge. I love it, Leonardo. That's awesome. Alex May rides. Haven't been able to find a raspberry anywhere. Yeah, this one I've had for years or, you know, two, three years. Um, my pleasure, Ryan. Timinator, Merry Christmas to you too. Andrew Nakamura, Asha, good to see you. Harish, also wanted to let you know great video on, or good video on Advent and Cyber. Thank you. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing the Advent and the Cyber video. See it, I had day 20 to do the um, attack surface reduction video, which I, which I, you know, it wasn't a super sexy topic, but I tried to make it as, as entertaining and, and as fun as I possibly could. Have a good one, zombie guy, Justin. All right. Haircut fish in the hizzy. All right, guys. Be good. Thanks for your feedback. Thanks for being part of the stream. Thanks for being part of the squad. We'll see you guys tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Be good. Have a great day. Go out there and crush it. We'll see you soon.